Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, and I am the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast. Today, I'm going to be speaking of the sacral chakra. So I'm over the river and the ocean and the streams and the eddies and all waters of this universe, multiverse, because the sacral chakra has to do with finding your flow. It has to do with healing your sacred sexual waters and all waters of the body and coming into balance with those. It has to do with your creative energies. It has to do with your abundance in every aspect of life. In the yoga tradition, whose wisdom birthed this entire chakra system, the Sanskrit name for this chakra is called Swadhisthana. Swadhisthana starts with the word swa, which means one's own. Adhisthana reveals the meaning dwelling place or residency. And it's said that our spiritual energy, known as our kundalini shakti, lives right now in the root chakra. So if you haven't heard my root chakra episode, definitely check that out in this series. I'm doing seven episodes, one per chakra, and then there's an eighth where I did an overview. So you can check that overview out as well. Those are episodes 16 and 17. 16, the overview, 17, the root. And so the kundalini Shakti energy that lives within you is said to originally have dwelled in our second sacral chakras. And so this is an interesting contemplation. And then it's said there are different reasons, but eventually settled down to where it lives in the root. And then when we have sacred spiritual experiences, awakenings, that kundalini shakti energy arises within us and we start really craving more aligned living, really craving spiritual, mystical, and mindful practices. So I invite you now to simply feel into this area right below the navel. So you feel into your belly. Maybe take a breath or two if that feels right. And then you can simply sense it. It goes from behind the navel down. It is here that the reproductive organs live in our body. So breathe into these, these life-growing seed energies. And if you're choosing to touch this area, I'd invite you to bring your fingers together because it creates a cohesiveness of the energy and a more sense of secure touch with both or one hand. And in this area, we are all pregnant with possibilities. This is the understanding, whether we identify as female or male. And so breathe into this area and or your palms and feel, sense, open to all the infinite possibilities that live within you as you, that are present in your life as roads and paths you could take, all of them right, quote unquote, all of them exciting, all of them filled with the spark of imagination. This area is the womb room. This area is the source and center and force of your own unlimited creative power and potentiality. Feel what this area feels like. Notice it. And if you're seated and it's safe to do so, maybe you sit 
and rock side to side on your sitting bones and feel into your belly button and notice it perhaps undulating like waves. Or you could even do hip circles, seated or even standing a little bit and feel the lower belly moving. So the second chakra is associated with the basic right to feel. It's connected to our emotions. And as a culture, we know, society often frowns upon emotional expression. And this for sure is changing, but it's been a long time coming and there's still a lot of work to be done. It's a lot about our unconscious as well. Like water, the element associated with this chakra, there's so often a deep and expansive layer, really the substantive part of a body of water that we can see. And so it refers to our willingness to really take a deep dive into the exploration of our psyches, our unconscious, sometimes colloquial referred to as our subconscious. So often in our society, particularly with males, you know, the idea that men and boys don't cry or any kind of energy of that we shouldn't really be expressing our feelings is associated with this chakra. And this would be a negative influence on this chakra. And we all living collectively in the society are influenced by this collective mentality of really not as a society being able to express and feel safely, talk about our feelings in many circumstances and situations. So we'll talk today about all sorts of ways we can bring this chakra more into balance and heal our collective wounds in regards to this chakra and then individual excesses, if we have them, what they are in this chakra or maybe deficiencies and not quite enough energy in this chakra or maybe the chakra is just more dormant and asleep. Psychologically, this chakra is associated primarily with our sexuality. I mentioned the Mahabhuta, the element called in Sanskrit, ap which is water. And it refers to the energies of being fluid. As a human, when we're able to exercise the qualities of being accommodating, going with the flow, being receptive, being reflective, being nurturing, sensitive, kind, fluid, and maybe at times formless. So it's associated with all the aforementioned words and archetypes within ourselves and also within this universe. Because we know as modern mystics, seekers, and mindfulness practitioners that so is within, is without, and vice versa. The color of this chakra is orange. And as I mentioned in the root chakra episode, the first chakra, the red Color is the slowest vibratory chakra color. And then we get to orange. So orange vibrates slightly faster than red and yet still undulates a little slower than the other colors other than red. In the psychological world, which I'm so interested and invested in, from a child perspective age, you would develop this chakra six months out of the womb, so six months old, to approximately two years. And if you've ever been around children of this age, it's all about movement. Children, they learn to crawl in this period of time in a pock. They learn to walk. Their vision gets honed, so their perspective gets developed. Children at first sit up, and they're alert. And they have those moments away from the mama, the dada, or the caretaker, where they have hints of brief independence. So psychologically, a child in this time frame starts to understand that they're separate entity from their caretakers. And this sense of a separate self begins to dawn. 
a child at the stage also starts to feel distinctions of pain and pleasure, closeness and then distance and clarity of that sense, as I mentioned, of like self and other. And at this time, they often have no language or little language. And so their needs are communicated through emotion. So when we're around kids and, you know, they might be crying or they might be fussy, particularly if we haven't had children yet or aren't planning on it, and we see kids, we can think, you know, like you're on the airplane and a kid's next to you around this age and you're like, oi, you know, because you know the kid is probably going to be like crying because of the ears popping or something of such. But this is simply their way of expressing their feelings when they don't have language and telling us things about how they are doing. As adults in the psychological lens, sexuality has existed, but yet awareness of the other becomes more acute. So I mentioned in the last episode that we go through this development in childhood, going from the first chakra and then making our way up to the seventh chakra. And then when we're full-fledged adults, we start to go back as adults and develop these chakras and really flesh them out in a more deep and full embodied way. So what happens when this chakra gets developed as an adult, satisfaction of our emotional needs really can become a driving force, which often we project onto partners. So when we do this, especially when we're newer to those kind of relationships, romantic relationships, partnerships as adults, emotional frustrations can come from projection and those unconscious patterns from shadows, samskaras, they're called in yoga, And old conditionings from childhood, traumas, all the work of the shadow starts really leading to emotional tumult and turmoil. If you haven't yet checked out my episode, Psychology and Mysticism, the Overlap of Science and Soul, episode number 17. That's been so well received. And we dive in with Ashley Turner, who's a clinical psychologist, into these lands of samskaras and shadow work and trauma and how to work with these energies as mystics and seekers. So the chakra challenge, because every chakra has a, a challenge, I like to call that in this way, is guilt. So the idea, I I shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, or you shouldn't be doing X, Y, and Z, because this chakra is so much about me and you, the other in relationship to me, and then this person in relationship to me, and then that person in relationship to me, and then how I feel about all of them. (laughs) So this chakra is a very highly researched chakra, And I really know it's because it really is tied into these fascinating topics of sexuality and of our shadow and psyche, you know, these buzzwords and terms, which is really a beautiful thing because as modern mystics, we are embodied individuals and we are in the world of the world and we use our bodies and our lives and all the aspects of what it is to be human walking upon this earth in hopefully the most aligned way. That's our aspiration. And in ways that take us to the experience of serving the outer world and being of greatest service. And then of course, in the way internally of connecting with our own divine essence. And so I'd like to talk first about some stressors of this chakra, which I alluded to already. So stressors of this chakra would be sexual abuse, emotional abuse, denial. Like if you're a child and your parents gave you the message both overtly and subliminally that the child shouldn't be feeling and shouldn't be expressing those feelings. Enmeshment being over-identified with a family member or loved one. 
overuse of a playpen. Remember playpens? Some people, those little pack and play still exist. So restricting normal movement and any range of movement, if that was an experience of yours in childhood, that would affect your second chakra. Religious or moral severity, like anti-pleasure, sentimentality, and philosophy would affect your second chakra. And then, of course, inherited issues of our parents, because this is the aspect that we really can implicate all of our different chakras, but really in some sense implicate this chakra an extreme amount because it has to do with our shadow, this chakra. And again, diving into those deeper waters. So our parents, if they haven't worked out their own sexuality, if they haven't become aligned with their own sexuality in healthy ways within themselves, within partnerships, you know, we can inherit those mentalities and those patterns that we have to work with and work through. So every chakra can either have an excess of energy or a deficiency of energy. An excess of this energy would be sexually acting out or sexual addiction, using sex as a power tool, pleasure addiction, excessive strong emotions like hysteria, bipolar mood swings, crisis junkies, or perhaps an oversensitivity, like hypersensitive about anything and everything, seductive manipulation, and emotional dependency and codependency. So ways we can heal this type of excessiveness of energy in this chakra would be things like 12-step programs for addiction, which are fabulous and have helped so many people I know. Boundary work, therapeutic work, psychological work, emotional release technique is associated with the healing of this chakra, inner child work is fabulous work, and really seeking healthy pleasures. Things like yoga in a pleasurable way, maybe a restorative yoga class. Petties and manis, pedicures and manicures for those listeners who like those, you're helping your second chakra. For me, I do it with massages and baths. And any kind of soaking in water is so great for this chakra. The ocean, I'll just go out for hours and play in. And any water you can get your body into, but baths are so great. And of course, baths, then we can add different herbs to support this chakra as well. Pranayama, daily breathing techniques with boundaries. So when we do breath work, right, we could breathe in for four counts and breathe out for four counts. That's called samavriti, same breath that means same energy equipoise creating balance and so that is still a structure four counts in four counts out and there are many different ways you can do breath work and counting that add healthy boundaries read a challenging book or maybe learn a new instrument or language as i mentioned and i'll get into it more like creativity and art so huge And any mamas who had any kind of traumatic birth experience, you know, postpartum, this chakra is the one to focus on giving love to, getting support with, and healing. And this is such a gaping hole in our society. And maybe someday I'll do a whole episode on this. But definitely looking up ways to heal from that experience because there aren't systems in place in our society currently for that. And mamas of new babies are often overwhelmed, under-supported, and exhausted. And so even if it's been a long time now and you had a child a long time ago, what seems like forever ago, still you can do great work if you pay attention and nourish and nurture your sacral chakra and create incredible healing in your psyche through doing so. Yoni steamers, which is a seat that you can sit on and work with plant medicine, herbs for healing of this chakra and physicality in the female body. So you can Google that. 
it's also connected to really not only nourishing our female aspects of body, but it's also an ancient practice all over the world in the way of connecting more deeply to our intuitive body, into this energy center where our intuitive body resides. A deficiency in this chakra would be like having rigidity in your body or your attitudes. Frigidity or even fear of sex is another one. Deficiency would also manifest as poor social skills, communication skills, denial of pleasure, excessive boundaries, fear of change, not going with the flow, and a lack of desire, passion, and excitement. So ways to heal a deficient sacral chakra can be movement like yoga, asana, the poses, and zumba, dance lessons, anything where you're moving your hips a lot, which I cajoled you a little bit to do early on. (laughs) And then of course, if you do these things with a partner, that's also enhancing and very sweet. um, If that's something you feel moved to do. Shiatsu, which is a Japanese healing technique that can be very profound. I love it. It's so sweet. Psychotherapy for relationship building skills and tactics. Learning nonviolent communication. There are books on this. It's fabulous if you're a parent and or in a committed or committed relationships. Swimming, bubble baths, and then watching What movies or art move you? Which expressions of creativity make you feel emotional? And perhaps even engaging with this as a practice in your life, making it a practice when you notice, oh, is it a painting? And seeing beautiful fine art that emotes feeling. Or is it a certain, you know, Netflix series? (laughs) Walking or driving, a different way to work each day of the week. (laughs) And if you're really earthy and rooty, then you can pick once a week. You go one way for seven days and then go the other. But I love doing this when I go to work in the city, just meandering like a brook and noticing how that makes you feel. Rearranging your bedroom, your office, Shaking up energy. You can listen to my energy hack episode, but we talk about this. That's episode 11, energy hacks, harnessing energy on the inside and out. This would be enhancing for the second chakra. (laughs) Anything orange. I mentioned orange and the sacral chakra has six petals. And it's really gorgeous. It has a crescent moon in it, always depicted as such. And when you look at it, you can, of course, look it up online. There's an alligator often depicted in it. And the alligator refers to the tenacity one has to have to be willing to go into these more unconscious shadow lands. It is orange, those six petals. And of course, the alligator traverses the land and the water. The mermaid and the merman archetypes are part of this chakra. And so it's such a gorgeous dive if you're interested in myth and books and reading. As a child, I didn't really resonate with the mermaid archetype. And then once I became an adult, I saw the profundity of it and that whole Jungian ideology and psychology where one is really brave enough to travel deep down into oneself and the shadow and then transform oneself when they go back to land, so to speak, with their land legs. And as mystics, this is such a beautiful archetype, right? Because this is what we do. We go in and then we pulsate out, like the waves lap in and then the waves lap out. The merman archetype is is so sweet because so many men and students, I've mentioned it too, they're like, whoa, there's a merman archetype? And there is. So if you identify as male, you can check that out and it might feel 
as resonant for you as the mermaid can feel for people who identify as females. So as I mentioned, anything orange and orange blossom in the way of scent, you can put that in your baths, essential oils. Lang Lang awakens this chakra and heals it. Geranium and jasmine. The gemstones are coral, cornelian, and moonstone. And again, all of these things can help you tune in, tap in, and light up this chakra in the most sweet way. The word I mentioned, swadhisthana, for this chakra also means sweetness. And so it's not just like deep dive and intensity and shadow, though it is for those of us who want to go there, but it's also so much laden with flow and sweetness and gentleness and sensuality aligned. Lakshmi is the Indian goddess archetype who's wildly popular in many Western countries. And she's associated with the ocean. She's birthed out of the ocean. Lakshmi myth and story is beautiful. And there's a churning and then she arises and she's associated with abundance in all form, abundance of monetary and practical things, abundance of spiritual wealth and knowledge, abundance of love, abundance of emotional availability, abundance of health. So I'd like to offer some affirmations that you can silently, or if you feel comfortable and you want to, allowed to really affirm this chakra. Now, I'd like to also mention prior to doing this, if you have feelings such as along the lines of, I frequently experience guilt throughout the day. If you're someone who grapples with the feeling of guilt a lot, then this would be a symptom and sign that something is going on with this chakra. If you're someone who's afraid to cry, I mentioned repressing the tears because you don't want to feel weak or you just can't find tears, then this is just another indicator that something's going on with this chakra. Finding it hard to spend time alone is another aspect of this chakra. And this is associated again with the merman and mermaid archetype, that willingness to take the deep dives and be alone. So if you feel scared or threatened or don't carve out alone time for yourself or just don't relish alone time, then this is part of the mystic path. Wake up to your own alone time and find ways, perhaps in the aforementioned tips I offered already and hacks, to be with yourself alone doing one or some of these things. Affirmations are so powerful because affirmations literally reprogram our thoughts. And so right now, you can close the eyes or simply do what you're doing and silently or aloud repeat after me. I deserve pleasure in my life. And three times, repeat this. I absorb information from my feelings. As I float on the ocean of life, I skillfully navigate stormy seas and relish in calm, peaceful waters. So this chakra, as I mentioned, is associated with our erotic energy. And first, let me say in astrology land, 
the three signs of water in the Western astrology paradigm are Cancer, Scorpio, and Pisces. And the erotic sexual energy is often embodied in the archetype Venus. Venus, the Roman goddess of harmony, love, beauty, balance. And if you study her archetype, she's very, very symbiotic with the archetype and energy of Mahalakshmi, the great Indian goddess Lakshmi. I wanted to speak a bit about all of this because we live in a culture that really brainwashes our sexuality through consumerism. And the commercialism of sexuality is rampant, and we know this, but it's been so long. And when we explore and when we really refine what are the pathways in our sacred sexuality, even thinking of our sexuality as sacred is such a revolutionary act in our culture with its climate. And it's paramount when balancing and bringing harmony to this chakra, particularly as modern mystics. I mentioned in our society earlier, of course, not always, but often, subliminally and not so subliminally, boys and men are not as um, permitted to show tears. And we also live in this culture that propagates pornographical sex like it's the holy grail of intimacy and this is you know really often a lot with many males are exposed to pornography and the allowance of this without careful reflection and men and now with our global exposure to this it's really so much intertwined with this chakra as of late particularly as modern conscious mystics, looking at this as a society and as individuals. It has a lot of collective healing work and reclamation work to do around our sexuality and lovemaking. So in my lineage of yoga, tantra, sex and really all the senses, frankly, can be gateways for the divine to enter. We just have to choose to engage with them consciously. Tantra in India and then here in the West as well for a long time was correlated to a sexual cult-like sect of yoga. And I remember even being a kid knowing my path and origins, but really not feeling comfortable sharing them with people because when I heard about tantric, you know, practices, I just see them on the storefront of like a sex shop or you hear like of, you know, stars who were interested in tantric yoga. And it was always associated with sexual promiscuity and not really tradition and spirituality as much from the outside, at least. And tantra really got that reputation because it was one of the only yoga traditions that shared practices with non-ascetics and women, for that matter, historically. So many of us haven't been taught or don't know that yoga is really a tradition that was historically clad in and shrouded in secrecy. And its practices were really only revealed to males of a certain caste who were monk living ultra non-sexual lives. In Tantra, there are practices where sex is ritualized, for sure. And like all traditions, have their extremist examples. However, Tantra in some sects is performed as an expression of the collective divine feminine and the collective divine masculine becoming one and the same energy. Some practitioners even dress up as a god or goddess to perform the act 
ritualizing it and doing mantras and even visualizations are used to move, coalesce and grow the energy in the second chakra. In these rites, the orgasm is a lovely byproduct, but not the goal. And at times, the practitioners even hold their sexual fluids to keep them resonating in the second chakra, to grow it and to heal the energy residing here. So they have more power, it's said, for their spiritual practices. So chew on that, people, holding the sacred waters. (laughs) I love this idea that in our Western culture, people are dressing up as strippers or cops. So my students tell me, and in sacred sexuality practice, it's gods and goddesses. So (laughs) it's interesting to think about. And it's so interesting because it brings up the question worth exploring, which is what gets your sacred sexual waters flowing in an aligned and supportive way that intrinsically connects you more towards your spiritual and psychological even development? Because there's this understanding in the yoga tradition and really in many different traditions that the sacred waters are directly connected to our mysticism and also in very close proximity in a symbiotic relationship with your own personal creativity. So to circle back to the pornography conversation and shadow of our society, that's literally thanks to the internet has skyrocketed to astronomical heights. And in my opinion, is one of the biggest opiates of the masses because it wires our brain if we consistently expose ourselves to it, to numb out, to check out, and to dry up to real sex in real life in embodied form. Of course, it's also laden with many other very problematic issues such as sex trafficking, female oppression, you know, exploiting minors sexually and a host of other topics. But I won't get on that soapbox today because today is about how pornography can potentially affect and mess with your second chakra in this episode centered around the second chakra. The writer Glenn Doyle in her book Untamed writes about it in the most succinct and I think really brilliant way. So if you have a copy of Untamed, it's on page 176 in a chapter called Woods. And if you don't, you can just listen to me. And if you have kids at an appropriate teen age, simply have them read this page and you'll have to do less fumbling perhaps as a parent explaining the difference between porn and real-time sex. She likens porn to a mountain-scented air freshener you'd buy at a gas station. And if you're trying to learn about mountains, you wouldn't buy a canister with the scent of a forest because then when you actually smelled a real forest you don't recognize it or you think it's not as good because it doesn't smell like the manufacturer scent. Ah, pull on that thread, dear one. So as we heal this chakra and reclaim its energy for ourselves to enjoy and to create from, as modern mystics, we know that pleasure and alignment is a way that can actually open us up to more magical and mystic moments. Another part of this reclamation is refining what are the pathways into your sacred waters by exploring what are your thoughts, what are your intentions when you embark on lovemaking. Also to explore and discover what is your unique pathway in. Are you sensual and it's sensation that gets your waters flowing? Or are you a sapiosexual and it's words and ideas that allow them to do so? Is it looking at Rodin and Camille Claudel sculptures in a museum 
or pictures of them? Or is it romantic music? We might be in a partnership with someone or people who want to pray when they make love to you and feel into the cosmic oneness. And someone else might want you to be together and watch the beauties of your bodies touching in a mirror. So you might even notice a connection in the style in which you want to make love that it correlates to the type of creativity you like to participate in or offer this world. So be really honest with yourself and curious, open, as these preferences can inform your creativity in your lovemaking and vice versa. When our sensual and sexual selves are in alignment, this helps our sacral chakra function optimally. And then our creative selves in turn flourish. So if we have a situation or circumstances in our lives where we aren't being sexual, we can nourish the sacral chakra as we would a muse, offering it gifts of inspiration, such as an experience of the arts. Music, fine art, classical music really helps align this chakra, being of nature and the sounds. Create more beauty and harmony in your home or create some extra gorgeous meals. And by inputting small deposits of creative acts into your day-to-day life, like an offering to the muse within this chakra, this chakra will heal and balance. As modern mystics, there's so many seemingly mundane aspects of our life that we can beautify and harmonize. And again, it supports the nourishment of this chakra. And now I'll really reveal the truth about this chakra, which is that we are both the artist and the muse. So if you've ever seen the birth of Venus painting, so beautiful, I got to see it live by Botticelli. And if you've never heard of it, definitely go look it up because it personifies this chakra. Even if you identify as male, you'll still get the essence and hit of this chakra. As I mentioned, Venus rules this chakra. And Venus Day is Friday, yo. So on Fridays, remember, it's Venus Day, second chakra day, (laughs) sacral chakra celebration day. Friday etymologically comes from the goddess Freya. You can hear Friday Freya, who's a Scandinavian goddess of love, fertility, battle, and death which I love because our passions, our sexuality, and even our fecund creativity so often are linked intrinsically to those things, right? And Freya, whose name, as I mentioned, birth Fridays, her counterpart is, of course, the Roman goddess Venus. The aforementioned painting I mentioned shows Venus at the edge of the ocean, at the moment of her inception, coming into this material world floating in on a seashell, her hair long, wild, and free. So let your hair down, people, and relax. Relaxing, taking moments to do seemingly nothing but feel into your own being and becoming more receptive is part of the practice and the work of this chakra. The work of art I'm mentioning is said to really depict the symbolic fusion of spirit and matter. And that's what the mystic embodies, right? We are both spirits and of matter. And this work also depicts the harmonious interaction of idea and nature, which is of course, what we are all about as seekers. Finding this fusion of spirit and matter in a world that appears to be a fission, a repulsion, a disconnect of spirit and matter. So this second chakra is really all about connection, fusion, at times the connection of bodies 
and at other times the connection of creativity, such as a stringing of words together or a swirling together of pains. A connection of remembering that we are both the artist and the muse, that ultimately these two are one, and that so many things in our dual world as one flowing energy, this is the vision to try and see them as such. Just like waves that appear individual are really just part of the vast ocean. As Rumi says, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the entire ocean in a drop. May your sacred sexual practices and your creative offerings and endeavors remind you of just this. And may you also remember that inspiration lives everywhere. The magic of the present moment is the destination of the seeker and the mystic. And within the present moment, when we really pay attention to all the conversations we're having, even when we're walking down a street, you might hear someone say certain words. And so often those are actually messages for you. I learned this a long time ago from a psychic friend. The words we see on license plates and we can even play that game where you just look at a bookshelf, pick a book, open a book, and then see which page or which words pop out at you. There are so many ways to receive guidance and messages from the universe and or simply inspiration for ourselves, for inspiration lives everywhere. We are the artists and the muse. Our life is the muse, the information and creativity that abounds in the universe is endless. And so when we sometimes live in our brains and the mental spheres too much or in an exaggerated way, we can get away from connecting to this unlimited wellspring and source of inspiration. So part of the second chakra work is really breathing and feeling into our intuitive centers. I like to call it the inner GPS that lives and abides in this chakra. So I invite you right now to take a moment. And if it's safe to do so, you can close the eyes. And if it's not, you can simply keep the eyes open or do this aspect of the practice later. With the eyes open or closed, whatever feels comfortable and right for you, tune and tap into your breath, taking six very present deep breaths, one representing each petal of the energetic flower that lives in the sacral chakra. Count them. If the mind wanders, simply notice that and bring it back to this practice. Six full, abundant breaths. It's said that the electromagnetic field of the heart is approximately 10 times that of the brain. And then the electromagnetic field of the intuition, which is, you know, lives at the gateway of the heart. And then when we open that door, go into this subliminal realm of our intuitive knowing that's deeper down within ourselves, that electromagnetic field's even exponentially greater than the one of the heart. So feel into this space in your body, this space behind the navel and a little bit below it and continue to breathe. And as I guide you through some visualizations, if the mind wanders, 
It's not a problem. It's normal and really natural. Just simply bring it back to this physical space of your second chakra, right behind the navel and below, and continue with the practice. I'd invite you now to begin to sense or visualize your favorite body of water, maybe a little eddy or stream when you were a child, or maybe the ocean, big, vast, wild and free, expansive, or maybe a river. And see if you can sense or remember, recall and feel the quality of the water in this body of water. Was it more static and serene like a lake? Or was it pulsing and undulating? It's said that the very fundamental, common denominational energy within ourself called spanda in the yogic language is always moving. And we know this when we study cells. There's a continual flow and movement even within our material bodies that seem static. This is an illusion. So feel the pulsation now of this energy and your sensing or visualizing of water now in your belly, below your belly, like your pelvis and hips are a bowl. And the bowl might be golden. Think of a material, stone, amethyst even, and it's holding this water from this place in nature. Feel this area of your body pulsing, undulating, or maybe serene, water-like, static. Notice that. And then I invite you to Think right now of your physical space where you live and imagine it beautified or maybe a totally different space than where you actually live, you're transporting yourself to. And what would the most abundant abode for you look like? And begin to picture that. If you're not very visual, just sense that. What would it feel like to live in the most harmonious, beautiful, physical space day in and day out? What would the walls look like? What would they be made of? What would the furniture look like? Or maybe your secret fantasy is no furniture at all or very little. With each breath that's pulsating, inhale and exhale, continue to stay with this thinking, imagining your idyllic, serene, abundant living space at its optimal form. Even if you love where you live, what would it look like if it was completely arranged in the highest potentiality that would cause you to feel so serene, expanded, Venetian, full of beauty, balance, and harmony. And now begin to transition your attention to your relationships. And again, if the mind wanders, bring it back to the bowl in your pelvis, the quality of water that you chose from nature that's within it. And then think of your relationships and sense and imagine what it would be like to have them all in total harmony in a way that would make you feel so joyful and grateful and sense maybe a few particular relationships that aren't quite that way, maybe some disconnect or disharmony or 
some from the past that didn't end so well. And breathe into the feeling as if they were all resolved. And take a few breaths. The feeling of total peace within all your relationships, maybe some breaths of acceptance in knowing that allowing them to be how they are often is the way towards the path of peace within, in the way of relationships. But really feel in your body, what does it feel like when relationships, all of them in your life, are filled with peace? Notice how good that feels or serene or fill in the blank. How does that feel? And now start to shift your attention to your body and start to breathe and sense in radiant health, like picture perfect health. And if you have some vulnerability going on physically, you can think of that area and breathe in golden healing light like the goddesses Venus, Lakshmi, they often have gold pouring from their hands. So think of that area and bathe it in golden breath if you have an area of vulnerability, if it's an area of mental health and feel where that lives in your body, maybe your head and breathe in golden healing, harmonizing light to this area of the body. With each breath, start to feel this golden light, maybe even golden waves they turn into, lapping and covering now the entirety of your body, your whole body infused with golden waves of health, feeling all the systems of your body communicating optimally, feeling all your organs scintillating with radiance, your heart, your brain, your kidneys and the mid-back, the pancreas, your stomach, your digestive tract, everything, golden scintillating waves of light. And feel yourself in total balance and in total harmony and in total optimal health. And what does that feel like? Your body, your muscles strong, your bones solid, radiant health. Notice that. And so it is. Now begin to shift your attention to the work you do in this world, what you offer. And if you love that work, think of it. And if you're not so crazy about your work, then move towards thoughts of what you would do if you were in love with your work. And see yourself, sense yourself, start to flirt and play with ideas of what that might be and what that might feel like with each breath. If you love what you do, see yourself going to the next level or your pipe dream of what that would look like in its even more abundant form. And really practice sensing, what am I doing? What does it feel like? The feeling, the sensing is what said that energetic net that you are casting through feeling, through sensing is ultimately what will attract and pull that towards you more quickly 
Another way to think of it is it's simply directing the sail of the mind towards the destination of what you want, getting more clarity. And so the sailboat metaphorically will go towards that. The winds of life will blow you towards that. Once you really get clear and set your sails and intentions on that which you want to be doing. So take a few more rounds of breath and see yourself totally rocking it, completely successful. So many people benefiting from you in your genius zone and in the flow of your own creative offering. For any work we do in the world requires creativity, thinking outside the box, problem solving, and offering your unique skill set. So take another breath or two and see yourself shining to your complete optimal potential. And what does that feel like? What does that look like in your mind's eye? Inspiration is everywhere. (laughs) So as you begin to anchor yourself back into your breath, you can sense again into this bowl in your body right at the navel level and below of lapping, undulating water. You can give thanks to wherever that water came from. Even though we're sensing it visually, when we do that, we call it in. And so you can thank the the energy, the spirit, the the lineage of that water, ocean, stream, eddy, river, whatever it was, lake, rain. And then feel into your physical body, starting from this pelvic bowl, feel down into your legs and feet and take a breath. And then feel from the sacral area up through the crown of the head and take another breath, feeling the entirety of your being. I must be a mermaid. I have no fear of depth and a great fear of shallow living, says the great writer and great creative mind, Anais Nin. So, As you explore your sacral chakra, simply consider with different ways you're interfacing with this chakra in the way of your sacred sexuality, in the way of the field of abundance, in the way of your creativity. Are you really interfacing with it from a place of deep, consciousness, reverent awareness, and what is your intentionality when you're interacting with it and working in accordance and in harmony together with this sacral, sacred chakra. One last tip and technique you could do as a daily practice is to silently or aloud Sing the syllable VAM, V-A-M, VAM, six times. VAM is what's called in Sanskrit, the yoga language, the seed mantra, the potent syllable that helps naturally bring this chakra back into balance, whether it's deficient, whether there's an excess of energy, or anything in between. So consider repeating VAM if that feels resident to you. Swadhisthana, the other Sanskrit word that I mentioned earlier, literally is the name for this chakra, meaning of self, swa, and filled with sweetness. So may your exploration healing and reclamation of all the aspects of this chakra and energy within yourself be sweet self-knowing 
though it can feel arduous at times, is the work worth doing? And in the end, they're such sweet fruit. I hope these thoughts and tips are helpful to you in bringing healing and balance into this chakra for yourself. And remember, you are not a drop in the ocean, dear one. You are the ocean in a drop. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.